Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey, friends, MJ from the Coaches Panel. Nice to be touching base with you, getting real close to the first parts of the partial lockout. So, myself and Kane, we thought we'd quickly jump on, have a quick chat about, Kane, some of the burning issues that fantasy coaches across all formats have to deal with. And I think there could be some really unlucky coaches that as they entered out of last round and entering into the new one, they find themselves with three forced trades potentially in AFL fantasy we've got three trades available for you this week and it's the last time you've got it too by the way it might not be as catastrophic as the other formats but the other formats you've got two trades a week the three players that we're all talking about are Fife, Stewart and then Jeremy Howe you pretty much have to suggest that for the most part Fife's probably the least important although we'll get to the trading component of him in a second but all three, pretty much, it's going to be hard to say you're, you're going to have to look to move them on um, for the most part. Each team I know is unique. But as we think about, before we get to the like-for-like trades, though, of who to look at, there are some mistakes in the thought processes that, unfortunately, as coaches, we're starting to fall into some traps uh, right across all formats of the game as we look to move these injured premiums out. MJ, the other one I'll add just before we get into those three is Sam Naismith is also a really yeah, popular guy. True. And as we know, the risk with the price that Naismith is, is there's very limited options like for like. Yeah. So that's a whole other conundrum that we'll have to deal with um, later in this podcast. But there's something that's caught my eye, MJ, that I just can never really get my head around is you mentioned three elite premiums there. Two mm. in the back line, one in the midfield, all of which across all formats should be top six defenders or top eight midfielders. Yeah. You know, they're that upper echelon. These aren't guys that are on the fringes. These are guys that clearly you picked with that intention to hold them for the year. And again, if most coaches probably have one, a lot of coaches still have two. And if you've got all three, then that's just the way fantasy goes. But what I'm seeing people talk about this week a lot is, especially people that have, you know, two of those three is, I'm going to go down to a rookie and then, go to another premium. And I think if you've got two premiums, I don't want to have 400K lying on my, in my bank no way. when I need the points. Because as we've seen in this season, for instance, if you traded, let's just use an example of Jeremy Howe down to a Stephen Hill, very sure. popular rookie, especially in Supercoach. Yeah. And maybe, you know, Nat Fife, let's just say, I don't recommend this, but I've seen people do it. You want to take Fife to Neil. And that's sure. sort of part of your theory. So we've got Jeremy Howe and Nat Fife. We've gone to Stephen Hill and Lockie Neal. Yeah. You know, probably going to leave you anywhere between, again, Jeremy Howe down to Stephen Hill, MJ, is netting you nearly 350 grand. So let's say you've got 250 grand sitting in the bank. I just think about 250 grand and you've just gone from one primo. You had two primos to start this yep. round. Now you're down to one and a rookie. Yuck. Think about this. If we get injuries next week, you're not going to be able to redistribute this cash onto your field. Mm. So when I see that, I just want people to go, I had two primos, let's go two primos. Go get two primos. And I think the reason people want to get the rookie MJ is they don't want to miss that 50K price rise. <laughs> you know, I, if I miss that 50K price rise by Stephen Hill, you know, I'm, I'm not generating cash. But this is where I find the logic falls apart. If you do a trade like that and you take Stephen Hill, sure. 
because you wanted Marcus Bontempelli next week or Paddy Dangerfield next week. They're likely to go up a similar level of Stephen Hill if they yeah. have a good week. Yeah. So next week when you try to bring in a Dangerfield or a Bontempelli, they've also increased. And maybe not 50, maybe 25, 30K. Yeah. So you're 20K short. But I'm pretty confident Dangerfield and Bontempelli are going to outscore a Stephen Hill. Oh, yeah. You know, there's, there's 50 points. And let's say you've lost 50 points this week. And then next week, the way things are going on the injury front, MJ, you've got another defender or another midfielder or another Ford premium out. Mm. All of a sudden, you're another week down with a full primo. So yeah. now that 50 points you cost first week has rolled into the next week because you don't have enough trades you know, to get those points back onto the field. So I would just encourage people. I know it looks like there might not be many rookies on the horizon, but they will keep coming. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with all the situations we're dealing with in the AFL world of hubs and all these things that haven't come to light exactly how they're going to play out. Mm. There will be rookies on the way. I know at the moment, Stephen Hill looks like a guy that you can't miss, you know, or Caleb Sarong looks like a guy you can't miss. And I think in their team, they've both got great job security. Absolutely. Um, you can look at Stephen Hill's performance one or two ways. He scored all his points in the first quarter. Hmm. You know, if he gets, clearly it's his first game for a long while. There's no reason to think that he won't be better for the run. And maybe he can be an 85 type of guy. Sure. And that's great. But I would just encourage you, if you've got two premiums, especially in a shortened season where points have never been more valuable. Yeah. And to be fair, we actually do have a lot of rookies. I'm looking yeah. at a lot of teams rolling with Stasevic, great rookie. Brand has done a job. Yeah. Even guys like McInerney, Butterick. Rivers. Guys like Curtis Taylor. Yeah. Like, there actually is enough cash generation going around. We've already heard Mitch Hibbard's going to debut for the Bombers this week. Yeah. There will be guys as teams deal with all the implications of COVID. There will be rookies that mm. come through. I just encourage people, do not sacrifice points on the field because you don't know what's going to come in the future. And as I said, if you've gone from two primos to one because you think you'll get the primo the next week, who knows what will happen the next week? You could be dealing with even more issues next week than you are this week. So I would just encourage people, find a replacement yeah. because you think they're going to be a great scorer. Don't worry about the 30, 40, 50, even 60K that one of yeah, these rookies no. may make because there will be another rookie that comes through. And I'm looking at a lot of teams and I'm thinking, cash generation isn't your problem. No. The problem is going to be picking players that you actually think that are top of their problem. line. Because when I look at some of the guys, MJ, that are top of their lines currently, there's a lot of guys we wouldn't have expected to right up there. You look through that back line and it's probably the line of all formats that, that I have the least confidence in, in being able to pick a like-for-like like replacement. And that's where it's a, it's dangerous for coaches, um, especially in Dream Team and AFL Fantasy. Um, a, a little less concern for me in Supercoach, but definitely in those two formats, I've got huge concerns what I'm seeing coaches do as a strategy and who they should actually go out and get. Because look, Sam Doherty across the formats it, it is clearly, if, if he stays fit, I don't see anybody getting anywhere near him as at the top scoring player at this current stage. And if he's not the top, he's going to be in the top handful. Basha Hooley looks like he's going to continue to be a great scoring candidate 
for us. Should he stay fit, um, he's going to be there and there around the mark. Then you've got a, a few weird averages that are in there, like a, a Sard and a Ridley. Look, they do give you value for money. Can you trust that in Supercoach only? I, I'm not as sold on that. I think Caleb Daniel's probably the better one of those Supercoach options. And then you throw in a, a Braden Maynard, who's really had a 30 to 40 point increase. So it's an incredibly volatile, hard to predict line to pick premiums. Yeah, and there's one other thing, MJ, I do want to comment on that I've seen a lot of people talking about this week. And it is a great resource. I love the dollars per points. Yeah. The only thing I will say with dollars per points is it is based on the points they have already scored. Correct. Those points are behind you. Gone. And obviously the point as well is the value is going to go up. So, again, Jordan Ridley, I think MJ is one of the most fascinating players that we have to deal with this week, especially in Supercoach. Yeah. Because clearly in a shortened season – you want to get as many premium players as you can in as soon as possible. And the advantage of where Ridley is at the moment is he's anywhere between 100 to 150K cheaper yeah. than these, these so-called premium range, which I'm calling, you know, Jake Lloyd, the upper echelon at just shy of 600. Yeah. And then you're dealing with, you know, the 540 Caleb Daniel all the way down to about 520 Sicily range. Yeah, that's right. And, and we this, know that if you've got 100K in the bank... Yeah. Sorry, MJ, you go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah, no, it's, well, and If you want to look at him, he's gone up 55K, got a break-even of nine in Supercoach, 410,000 if you haven't considered him. And this year from his three games, uh, been pretty decent with, with terms of his scoring too. Uh, a couple of hundreds, uh, 100 in round one and 94 in round two. And then last week, the 134 against Carlson. That's what's really put him on people's radar. Yeah, and the advantage with these type of players is we've seen it with Simpkin. If you get on at the right time, Correct. you are saving yourself 150K while getting points on the field. Against Justin, people got him at 380K. Yeah. People are still buying him this week. And I'm not trying to talk people out of Jai Simpkin. No. It's just that when I look at Jai Simpkin at 520, MJ, and I'm just going to put this out there on the top. I got Jai Simpkin at 520, as good as he's been. For 40K more, I can go to Patrick Dangerfield. Yeah. For 50K more, I can get Bontempelli. And I think. The appeal with that with Simpkin was the price tag. Yeah. What he was delivering, the role he's got tag. at that price was fantastic. The advantage with Supercoach is that Jordan Ridley, he's only played three games. Mm. So his price has only had two movements and he's 4.10. Do I expect him to go 109? No, I don't. But at 4.10, if you think he's a 90 guy mm. in this condensed season, you know, that's taken a rookie off your field who might be giving you 50. Yeah, and you put in a guy that's close enough. Clearly, the hard thing I always find is there's still—I know we're four rounds in. There's still 13 weeks where you could be stuck with Ridley at a 90. Yeah, and again, we haven't seen how the dust has settled yet. But there's a lot of guys that I think are capable of 100 in this condensed Supercoat format. So, if you take Sicily this week, MJ, let's just say you sure. take Sicily and you get a 90 guy on the field instead of a 50, so you've yeah. gained 40 points. But maybe if you waited that week you can get a Sicily the next week who goes 10 points more. Yeah. So over those next 12 rounds, you've got 120 up minus the 50. that you know, So you're probably 70 points ahead. Conversely, if someone picks Ridley this week and he hits, yeah. you have a massive advantage. Because a lot Jeez. of people are going to take the Caleb Daniels, the Sicilies, and you've got another 110, 120K up your sleeve to be that upgrade ahead. And I think yeah. that's where a lot of coaches, and again, I've looked at it as well, and it's probably not for me with the way my team personally set up. Yep. But I can see why people go, he's really, even if he gets close enough to the top six backs, yep. gives me that extra bit of cash to be one premium head. 
the flip side, MJ, as we know, is we've seen three games. And of those three games, the Bombers have won two and they had a very close loss to Carlton where Ridley used the ball almost perfectly. You know, he had a sensational game and rightfully so, he scored 134. The thing I worry about is clearly he's still a young player in his career and 410 is a super awkward price range. I've heard people talking about his break even. To be honest, MJ, at that price range, I couldn't care less about his break even. No, nah, it doesn't matter. I don't, I don't care if he, if he goes up it's just proving my point to keep him. Correct. If he goes down, it's not worth the trade out. So I don't see any scenario barring him getting injured long term. Yeah. You should even be considering trading Jordan Ridley out. So when people say, oh, he's got a break even in the, let me actually check nine for it. Nine in exact. He's got a break even of nine. It doesn't matter at that price. It just doesn't matter. So I want people to think, don't worry about his price. What do you think from now on Jordan Ridley is? Yeah. Are you getting a bargain that you're going to lock away for 100K cheaper and get the same output? Mm. Or do you think, you know what, I'd rather just wait a week and maybe some. there's another player that's proven that's a bit closer. So I, I feel, feel like Ridley, there's going to be a lot of coaches that go either way in two weeks. They're going to be ecstatic. They've got, you know, maybe a Jai Simpkin price. Guy. Everyone gets on in a week or two. Mm. Or I feel like this could absolutely blow up massively. Yeah, look, the only format that that's probably a strategy to monitor the break-evens is AFL Fantasy, where you've got the two trades a week every single week and you're always kind of looking for creative ways to almost do a two-in-one for the most part, where you're always looking to increase the value of your overall squad while trying to get points on field rather than having to do the, the full old-school traditional style of upgrade, downgrade, wait three or four weeks, upgrade, downgrade, wait a couple of weeks. So in that format, it's a little bit more, but even then, I think with Ridley, I think that's the right approach. If you're getting him, it's for the longer term approach of, I think he's going to be a comparable scorer and give me those points. Yeah, that's the thing, MJ. And it's not super tempting when you see that he's playing Collingwood on Friday night. Like you don't, you don't walk into that matchup thinking, this is a nice way to get, you know, my Jordan Ridley ownership started with, you know, yeah. Collingwood's one of the best teams at possessing and dominating yeah. um, the super coach points. But Hey, it's the exact type of price range where you can really make big leaps. Yes. Because like Simpkin was two weeks ago, you got him, if you got him two weeks ago, anywhere between 100 to 150K cheaper than the masses that are getting him on now. And we haven't mm -hmm. even talked about the output he's given you. So the price range and the output is really tempting by Ridley. Yeah. But I feel like when you're moving on the likes of a Howe, a Stewart and a Fife, like I mentioned at the top of the show, clear top liners in their line. Yeah. I'd want to I'd want to recoup that, and if I miss on Ridley, I don't think he's the type of player that's really going to burn me on the back. And I think he's had a sensational start, and he's gone at one hundred and nine. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be that guy for the rest of the year. Full credit to him and the coaches yeah, that well pick done. him. But I feel like when you're talk when you're dealing with top top liners, I want to I want to bring top liners straight back in. Yeah, well, I'm seeing, you know, this trend of coaches, even in AFL fantasy, where you are doing a little bit more of that continual improvement all along the way of going, I've got the Jeremy Howe, I'm going to go and get another guy like a Hayden Young. I'm going to go make more money. Well, hang on a sec. Howe's has done his job. He's increased 100K across all formats. Why did you get him? But ultimately, you believed it was, he was going to step you up to be able to become a premium pretty quickly or was going to be the Ridleys and the Simkin types of that undervalued, underpriced player that I was going to be able to have there. You've now got the injury. just You've got that cash in the bank. 
go and move him over to that big line premium that you believe, not from what they've just done, but what they're going to do, will be that top-end player. Yeah, the only reason I think, MJ, that coaches would be looking at doing a how down, and like we've always said with things, you have to take into fact what you're doing with the other trade. Yeah, correct. Sam Naismith is a player where a how down makes sense because it can get you out of a hole. It's it's just a restructure. Like we know, especially in Supercoach, Goldie, Grundy, gone. Yeah. And then Pitnett's doing a sensational job providing points and dollars at the same time. Yeah. Um, in terms of Pitnet, you know, we're talking, he's already gone up 162K. So he's yeah. just under 400K. You know, the Gorns of the world are 708, That's depending on the budget, what you can do um, with Howe, because even Howe's still, you know, 150 under that. So you have to have something in the bank. But that makes sense to me. I understand a restructure. If you're stuck with a Naismith, especially he's your R2, you know, you're going to have to restructure. You know, you, you might have to use that Howe money to get a Naismith to sure. a pit net, especially if you can't afford one of those big boys. So that totally makes sense. Absolutely. As I said, MJ, it's when I see moves that aren't no putting points back on the field. Yeah. I just really worry because I know with what this season's throwing up, again, still, who would have thought the steel sideburn would have a four-game suspension? Yeah. You know, there's stuff like this where I just really want people to be putting that points while you can back onto the field. Yeah. Just I put it back so on there. True. Yeah, and I think the other thing that jumps out, MJ, is people don't have a lot of confidence in the backs. And I think that's where we've found that DPP this year is super important. And and I agree. I think if you've got a how in defense and you have the ability to bring in a forward or a mid, looking at the scores and the value, I'm doing that every day of the week. Because, again, I look at a guy like Jake Lloyd, who a lot of people are thinking about it. Let's just assume coach, 589K. If I said to you, MJ, who averages more? from now to the end of the year, Jake Lloyd or Patrick Dangerfield, you'd probably go Dangerfield. Yep. And then I'd tell you that you're going to save 30K doing it. Yeah. And funnily enough, the way things have fallen, a lot of people have more confidence in their defender rookies than, than they do in the mids. Yeah. So you might be bringing on a Stasevich, a Brander onto the field, and maybe yeah. you're taking off a Tyler Brown. So not only do I think that Dangerfield goes more than Lloyd in that format, my rookies. I might also be getting another five to 10 points in the rookies. So again, I'm sure there'll be some coaches that don't have that flexibility. They might already have a brander in the defense and they actually have to bring in a premium defender. I get that. And I think it's a really hard decision. If I had the luxury of bringing in a Ford or or a mid, I'd take it. That's where I'd be looking. Cause when I see a Patrick Dangerfield at 560, you know, drop 66 K and coaches that don't have him are very lucky because he was on track for easily a 160 till he, Michael Hibbard ran absolutely straight through him yeah. in that fourth quarter. And that's when the game was on the line. You know, Patrick Dangerfield, if he had done anything in that time when the points were still there to be won, we're looking at a 170 and he's probably up closer to 580K. So he jumps out to me. Obviously, Marcus Bontempelli, like you mentioned the other week, MJ, he's through that Matt DeBoer tag. He's through, you know, the Collingwood matchup, which we know dominates points. And obviously, he was sensational against the Swans. He really set the game up. I know he was on 112 at halftime. And again, you say faded. He still had a 50-point second half and reeled out a 166. So I think he's another one. When when I'm looking at Bontempelli versus Lloyd, I'm going Bontempelli every day of the week because the way Supercoach scoring seems to be working this year, we know Rucks, and you wrote a beautiful article talking about that, MJ, is that these guys just seem to be getting 
the lion's share. You know, Todd Goldstein's the number one clearance player in the AFL, MJ. Nearly yeah. nine clearances a game. So when you've got a shortened game and he's delivering that, there is going to be a huge amount of waiting. So give me the midfielder every day at this stage. I just want a few more weeks to see how the dust settles in defence because yeah. four games, it's just it's so tough to work out what's going on there, you know? Yeah, and, and even, you know, to talk about AFL Fantasy or Dream Team, what our top-line defenders are doing in those formats, it's really not worth the dollars it's going to cost to get those big-name players. Different in Supercoach, where it's the same amount of points per game available and they're spreading it across. But just as an illustration point right now, if we were to look through AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, there is currently only four defenders that have an average over 80 in that format. And now one of them is out for the majority of the year. Just four. If we were to look at total points for an illustration, um, in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, a lot of coaches really frustrated by a Dan Houston's year. Um, and, and understandably so. He hasn't been the 90 midfield, not getting the center bounces. Super coach, this is a different conversation because I do think you need to absolutely move him on quickly. He's not making money. He's not getting points. Move him on. But in AFL Fantasy, right now, 390 points is the highest total point scorer in Sam Doherty. Jake Lloyd is in at number four with 314. Dan Houston's at 282. He's got 25 less points than Jake Lloyd. But in AFL Fantasy, if you were to upgrade Lloyd from Houston, that's going to set you back around about 150K for a total so far. Now, I know it's only points so far, and there's only been a handful of hundreds that we've got in the back line. But for only 25 points total improvement, 150K, like people are overpaying big time because in AFL Fantasy, all formats are the same, but definitely in AFL Fantasy, everyone's break-even is pretty much achievable almost every single week. Like when you look at what people's break-evens are, you're like, oh yeah, you could pretty much, that's attainable. Like the highest break-even at the moment in that format is Nick Newman with a 109. He's not playing. You know, Zorko's 97. Um, the most non-injury impacted player would be a Canelio at an 86. Don't tell me that Stephen Canelio is not capable of, of hitting an 86 in a shortened game. And at 7-12, people are going, I've got to get rid of Canelio. He's going to drop so much cash. 86? So what? Even if just this week he goes and scores you a 70-odd, he's dropping 10K? We're just starting to use old school style of thinking of I've got to go and get the big dogs and maybe and you still need to. But 150K jump to upgrade a Houston to a Lloyd. Now, it's, I know that's points that have gone, but only four defenders are averaging over 80 in Dream Team and AFL Fantasy. Is it worth moving on the Bailey Williams, the Dan Houstons, the John Nobles? I don't know if that's the urgent priority when you could be getting these mid-cows of a McInerney and a Brown and a Max King off your field. That's where I'd be investing my upgrades because you're getting those big points. Yeah, I think AFL Fantasy, that's the great thing almost about it now is that it is such a different game mm. to, to Dream Team and Supercoach. It has to be treated as such. And it always feels to me that the people that do the best in it, they're making... You'd call them sideways moves in any other format, but it yeah. might be, for example, let's just use Stephen Keneally or MJ. Sure. You bring a Stephen Keneally and you drop him down. You let's just say a Darcy Parrish, who if he got a midfield role, yeah. all of a sudden he's a great scorer and you're almost saving 170 grand. Like yeah. It's those people that go out on a limb, yeah. predict the player that's underpriced, Correct. 
make the cash with similar output coming back the other way. And they just do that week after week. Yeah. Because you can't, you really have to be on the front foot. Again, we've got price movements after one week. You know, you've really got to, you know, maybe it's an injury to a player. Let's just say, for instance, that the merit injury was long-term. And you look and you think, geez, Darcy Parrish is 540K, which in AFL fantasy is an absolute bargain. And you mm. know, we know what he did in that Sydney game. The last quarter, he had 13 touches and one of the most important players to get them over the line. It's moves like that that you really have to be on the forefront. And, and like I said in Supercoach, there's so many rookies that everyone has that still have dollars to create. Yeah. You know, you don't, really, you don't really feel like you have to move on. You know, a Buderick, you mm. know, a Brander. Like, maybe if they got dropped, but at the same time, they might be back in the team the next week. So I feel like the coaches that make those moves where it's a, a premium player, but they see someone that's going to score similarly for 100K, That's how they get the cash. And again, it is risky, but it is the format where you have to take those chances because you're not going to get the big price movements like you are in other formats. Again, Stephen Canelio, as you mentioned, that's a very attainable break even for a player of his caliber. Very attainable. Very, very attainable. And that's why we cautioned trading Whitfield last week. Yeah. Because now all of a sudden you've wasted one of your trades to bring some and you want to get Whitfield straight back in so mm. I feel like that's the output you've got to identify those players I know Brennan Parfitt's one him that a lot of people like what he's shown in his game so far this year yeah. he's been a tackling machine he's 600k you know maybe you slide a Canelo down to him pocket yourself 100k I think that's the thing that's the trick with AFL Fantasy is you've got to identify and sometimes you've got to trade premium players that's yeah. that's the whole frame of mind we're not used to in Supercoach or Dream Team you know you yeah. would hold your premiums and make them the total last priority. Yeah, but as you absolutely. mentioned, the super co- the way AFL Fantasy prices move, they're so slow to go down at first. Yeah, yeah this, it's, it's very hard for them to drop. So you've almost, as I said, you've got to be finding that value. Again, Michael Gibbons, if people knew that two or three weeks ago, he mm. would have been an incredible pickup. He's appreciating, but it's points at the same time. Yeah. It's almost like what we mentioned with, with Ridley. If Ridley was in, in AFL Fantasy, that is more appealing. The hard thing is you have to be on it so quick because the prices move after one week. Yeah. You know, by the time you almost get to these guys, like Bailey Smith last week, you're almost getting them at their top price. You know, yeah. you've missed those good scores. So I would really just encourage people to be creative. Look at those team sheets. You know, maybe it's a Collingwood with a side bottom out or a how long-term out. Maybe you've got to take a punt on a Darcy Moore, you know, yeah. at, who hasn't averaged great so far, but maybe you think, hey, maybe with how he gets a few more of those switches. Mm. You know, I feel like that's the creative thinking. Yeah. In AFL fantasy specifically, yeah. you've really got to be looking at, at value. And is there a player that can go close enough to my guy yeah. that is 100K cheaper and bank cash that way? Because you just can't sit on your hands and let these rookies slowly, slowly, slowly appreciate. Because we've got situations now, MJ, where we're... I mean, I love what Caleb Sarong did. And I think mm. with five out, he's got a great opportunity to keep scoring. Mm. But you're looking at a trade for him in, in AFL Fantasy. You're getting anywhere between 20 to 50K down. Yeah. And a lot of players, you have to spend money to get him in because yeah. he's at that premium price range because he was a gun kid and he's already played one game. So that's why it's, it's a great format. I, I love that it challenges you to, challenges you to think differently. You know, yes. if you see a rookie come in, You've, you've always got to almost take them before they've played a game, which yeah, we yeah. know in other formats has inherent risk. But yeah. at the same time, 
it has such a great reward. So I'm actually really enjoying that AFL fantasy is just a totally different game to what we've grown up, you know, playing in Dream Team and Supercoach. And you have to change that thinking and pick and pick guys that wouldn't be relevant in a Supercoach because you've only got the limited traits. So I just really encourage people to do your own research. And if you see a player that you think he's scoring so well and he's cheaper than my guy, that's the creative way to keep points up on your team while also generating cash. Well, you look at it and you think people in that format around about 37% of the comp in AFL Fantasy own Lockie Neal. He's priced right now at $901,000. He's had an incredible start to the year and his price has gone up around about 124K. Awesome if you've been on him. Well done to you. We talked about it a little bit last week. About 180K cheaper is Patrick Dangerfield. Um, And again, we've used him as a couple of times as an illustration through there. 300,000 cheaper. They're not like for like, but a Brandon Parfit um, is 300,000 cheaper than him rolling through there. Even a, a Jack Steele's 150K cheaper. Mitch Duncan's 130,000 cheaper. Uh, Travis Bokes, 120,000 cheaper. So's Clayton Oliver. Uh, if you want to go unique, if you think the merit out for the suspension, it will give a McGrath a bump for a week or so. He's at 663K. Like that amount of money, because it's not just as you said right at the top of the episode, it's not just the like for like points for points replacement. It's the what do you do with that additional cash? Because I think if you're making a that, that downgrade maneuver like the how to a Ridley, it's got to be to restructure it elsewhere. It can never just be, I'm going to pocket that cash for a rainy day or for another week. Because one or two more injuries and it just stunts the development and the improvement of your side. So I think if you're doing that slight cash grab trade um, in any of the formats, make that cash active. Don't just have 200, 300, 400,000 sitting on the bench week to week to week because eventually you're not actually improving your side. And while cash generation in the early part of the season is key, if you're not letting that cash generating impact your on-field scoring, then it doesn't matter how much cash you've made if you're not turning it into points on field. Yeah, well, that's the thing, MJ. The winner of this, these competitions are not judged on cash generation. No. They're judged on total points. So you've always got to have that front of mind for me. That's how I try to think about it. And I totally agree. Again, unfortunately, for the coaches that don't have him, Lockie Neal is getting to a range where I already think it is unattainable. And I look at the sides that he's played. And if you look at the disposal differentials there, some of the easiest teams. They give up the most possessions. Yeah. They've just come from, you know, three consecutive weeks at home. Yeah. We know that we're probably going to get thrown into these hub situations. And as I mentioned, if you want to climb rank, you take a kneel, you're just banking that loss. Cool. You know, that's just one other Not player that you don't have to differentiate yourself. The players that move, you want to be on that player. And again, a guy that just straight jumps out to me, MJ, especially in AFL fantasy, an Elliot Yo. Yeah. Like, I look at how many free kicks he's given away. And I know a lot of them are from tackles too. So you talk about a couple of those going his way. Yeah. We're talking, you know, six, seven-point swings just right off the top. I think he's gonna, they're going to go back to a WA and play, you know, multiple. Games, I think it is in a row they, they could They could play. So I think if I'm saving 200K on a yo, like, you've got to find that player. Again, I, we mentioned it last week. If you're up at the top, I understand Different you're story. going defensive. Defensive and try to neutralize Lockie Neal. I actually do get that logic. Sure. Take away that advantage that maybe the coaches alongside you have. But if you're chasing, but if you want to climb, if you're chasing and you want to climb rank, you're going to have to take a chance because 
you wouldn't get an Elliot Yo at sub 700K if he started the season well. Nope. But you've got to bank on, and we mentioned it last week with Dangerfield. I said Dangerfield's disposal efficiency has been 10% lower than his career average for a 10-year period. Mm. What happened last week? So he went at 75%, came back up, yeah. and he got a 140 in Supercoach. These things do balance out. Tim Kelly, for example, in Supercoach, he's leading the league in turnovers. Mm. If anyone's watched Tim Kelly the last two years, that is not the way he plays. He's a no. very good ball user. He makes great decisions. West Coast are also one of the worst scoring teams in the season. Mm. Again, super coach, never been more important for your team to be winning. Yeah. Never been more important to be involved in those scoring chains. Yeah. So all these sort of factors, we always preach it, but you've got to be predicting what is to come. And anyone can look at what's already happened and think, yep, that's going to continue because of such and such reasons. But the coaches that make big jumps and they get on the player before they've had their run. Yeah. And, it's re- and it can be really scary. And, you ha- and sometimes you just have to say, and the numbers might not suggest it's going to happen next week. When you see it, you see that big picture like we pointed out with Dangerfield where he's yeah. disposals between 62 and 67% for 10 years. If it's at 40 now, well, there's going to be a few games where he's above that to get it back up. You just got to sometimes bank that last week it was a three-game sample size. Now we have four weeks. Yeah. In the scheme of the season, and we read it out last week, Guys that started the season slowly yeah. that finished in the top. Guys that started the season red hot and were nowhere to be seen. You were buying them at top dollar. Yeah. I just would encourage people to be creative. And I know it's hard this year because the fixture, you just as we've know, seen dude. this week, you just don't know. And I'm not even super confident. This is just my opinion. that we'll even, Everyone will play everyone once. It might yeah. come to a scenario where we have to change that. But I would just be backing in the player, especially if they're proven, that you think, they just can't continue to go this bad. It just yeah. doesn't work like that. And on the flip side, as good as Lockie Neal's been and everything works in his advantage, he's playing only 10 minutes total game time less this yeah. year than he did last year. And we know yeah. the reduction in time. So Correct. it's no surprise that he's keeping up his um, stats and he's taking a bigger piece of the super coach pie that's constant. But even still, he's got Port Adelaide this week. Yeah, he's tough. got harder teams to come. So. As I said, if you want to catch up rank, you have to go out on the limb. You yep. have to pick a player you think the good points are about to arrive, not ones that are already in the past. Yeah, and buy them at their low point. Don't overspend on these guys that have really peaked in price. You're sacrificing your side. If you were to go and make that big trade up to a Neil, yep, you've missed it. That's fine. Cop it on the chin, as Kane has said. Up, go find that younger, not so much younger guy, but that cheaper guy because that additional cash, you could throw that onto another player. You could upgrade your Curtis Taylor right now. Maybe it's a week or two early and that's fine. All of a sudden, go and get it. Bottomed out, basically bottomed out Lockie Whitfield. Um, get yourself that Tim Kelly or that Elliot Yo type guy on top of them. And all of a sudden, even though you might not have him as a captaincy option, you should have others. Overall, your team will be stronger and your points should certainly level out. If not, get you marginally ahead. Yeah, the other thing MJ would um, advise people when they are trying to pick these players is look how the team's actually going. I'll use yeah. Josh Dunkley as an example last year, right? So yeah. Josh Dunkley has a forward role to start the year. Everyone picked him. He was a forward, but everyone had the assumption that he'd continue that midfield role that he had at the end of 2018. Yeah. Bulldogs started the season with two wins. You know, Dunkley was okay. Mid-70s in Dream Team, mid-80s in Supercoach. 
They lost the next four games, mm. the Bulldogs. What do you think happened after that? Beveridge said, this I'm mix is not working. He changed it up in round seven against the Tigers. He threw Dunkley yeah. into the midfield. And they, won. and they won that game. The next week, they beat Brisbane. So when I'm looking at this, that's why an Elliot Yo or a guy that's in a team that's struggling mm. and they're struggling as a result, you know, is there going to be a shift in role? Yeah. Is there going to be something? And conversely, sometimes you have to be worried for players. Totally. If a team, if a guy's scoring really well in a bad team, yeah. sometimes they take that role off them. They'll move them out of that role. Yeah. So I would think if the team's struggling, especially if they're a good team, like I think the Eagles are, yeah. again, clearly they've been really disappointing up in the harbour, the Gold Coast. Mm. But you've got to think that, again, I know these coaches don't care about Supercoach or Dream Team per se, no. but they care about winning. Yeah. And if the current mix they've got is not working, I'll change it. You will see you will see them change things up. Even a St. Kilda. They lost to Collingwood with the two pronged rucks. Yep. They changed switched it. it up against Richmond. They won. Got the win. Yeah. So I that's the something I look to as well is that okay, why why is this not working? You know, why is this not working for the player, for the team? And what potential role change could we see? And selection will tell you a lot about that. You know, yeah, selection right. will tell you if you knew that. Rowan Marsh would be rucking solo and you're a daily fantasy player, you'd be on him straight away, you know? Absolutely. So you've got to look at those things. And as I said, Dunkley last year was a perfect example. The Bulldogs were poor. He yep. had a horrible role. They switched things up. And especially if they get a result and the player plays well, that's when you're on to a winner. I think selection is such a crucial thing to look at as we know someone like a, a Luke Bruce, for example, if we were to talk about a Hawthorne, he's out with a fractured jaw for the next few weeks. You might be looking at a Chad Wingard right now as a, a really tasty forward premium going, he's the guy I'm going to go get. Here's the thing. I, I think he's going to be around that marker. But if Hawthorne don't bring another small goal kicking forward into that side, it's safe to presume that potentially Wingard might not get the midfield moments that he's been getting through the year. Now, of course, he may still, but you've got to look at what that selection might mean. Michael Gibbons is, you know, pretty much a sideways trade in AFL fantasy, but it's got a really nice break even. But if a Zach Fisher comes in this week, he could potentially take some of that midfield role. Now, yes, they're going to reward players who are getting midfield opportunities and a team's winning without doubt. But the selections do dictate what's going to happen. Adam Trelaw's about to come in to that Collingwood side. Um, what does that mean? Yes, side bottom's out, but, but Trelaw and side bottom aren't like for like replacements. What does that mean for a Pendlebury? What does that mean for an Adams who have been getting so much ball on the inside when they've got arguably their most dynamic midfielder coming into stoppage and, and clearance moments. That's what you've got to be looking at. It's not just the fixture. It's not just the price. It's then looking at those teams that are, and what they're bringing in and doing, because that will give a element of seeing what coaches may or may not be thinking with structures. Yeah. Well, we saw Justin, uh, John Longmire after the game, he obviously moved Callum Mills into the midfield to run with Marcus Bontempelli. Yeah. And Callum Mills was sensational. He had, you know, 80 dream team, which we know this year is a hundred in the old and 112 super coach. The problem is John, he, the, the conundrum he has is he said that Callum Mills is a sensational defender. Yeah. And I'm having a better time finding someone to play in the midfield yeah. than I am someone to play in defense. Again, if selection, you see him bring in players that are defenders and he says that, yeah. you know, then maybe you have confidence that Mills will have that role long-term. And, and those are the type of players. And we see it all the time. Dan Houston happened last year. Yeah. He got that shift into the midfield. He had a boost. These players will emerge. Yes. Again, we are only early into the season. 
and it's obviously a crazy season and clubs are trying to work out everything that's going on. Totally. So I understand, you know, it's hard, it is, it's been, never been harder to predict. We've got different <laughs> data. We've got different game times. Um, coaches are using different tactics. Again, Geelong, for instance, prior to last week, they weren't a kick mark team, but that matchup against Melbourne, Works. they just decided it was best to kick mark and they had 112 marks in a shortened game, which, yeah, is, which is insane. out of this world. Will that continue? Will the likes of, you know, O'Connor, Guthrie, hard to tell. But sometimes you do have to take a chance on those changes and those little shifts and as best you can, the fixture. I know the fixture is really hard for a lot of coaches and it does have a big implication on scoring. We've seen what teams have done to Adelaide, MJ, poor your guys, to the Dockers. So I just would encourage people just to think outside the box because I know it seems like these players will never bounce back but I promise you, mm. they're proven premiums for a reason. Will Absolutely. they scale the same heights as last year? Maybe not. Maybe not. But when you see players like a Patrick Dangerfield, you know, sub 100, <laughs> you, know, pro, you know, what he is, like he's just not going to hang around there very long unless it's an injury. So, yeah, and especially when you know the role is the same and nothing's changed. A Dane Zorka, who we know he's out injured and is going to be, it was like, why is he dropping so drastically? Well, the role has changed. The reason someone's underperforming, there's always a layer towards it. And if coaches can identify it quickly and then jump on someone at a cheaper price point, which you could have done with a Bont a week ago before, a Whitfield, look, if DPP was being awarded, um, which it is in AFL fantasy after this round, and he was just one position eligible, he'd be getting defensive stats because he spent so much time over those first three games as a defender. Last week, back up through the forward line, back up through the wing, and that's where he dominated the game until Maine went and had to play a negating role on him from quarter time because he was so damaging in and up and around the ball. And, and so you've got to look at the whys. Everything has a why. Who plays the Zorko role this week? for Brisbane does a McCluggage spend a little bit less time on the ball and replay that because Camillus Yeoman's not the like-for-like replacement for a Dane Zorko although he was in game so who they bring in this week will give you an indication of what they're thinking of doing to replace that role you're absolutely right MJ you mentioned off the top if we had if someone had the three premiums of Stuart Howe and Fife yeah and you said you'd be keeping Fife yeah is that just because you think that clearly the other two have long-term injuries? You know, you're just happy to put Fife on the pine. It's a mystery hamstring. He could be back next week. He could be back in two weeks. Um, we know it's Nat Fife, and that when he's on the field, he scores really well. But you've never seen him play 22 games. Yeah. Is there any reason you think someone would trade a Fife and a Howe, for instance, and leave a Tom Stewart on the pine? Uh, the the reason you do that is because you've got the, the bench depth to be able to do that and the players you want to get in this week based on fixture or price point are ripe for this week and for the moves you need to make. Um, and so that would be the reason you do that. You go, I've got the bench cover to be able to get away with. I've, I've got a Starsevich and a, a Rivers, for example, um, on my bench. I, I can move Starsevich onto the field or Brander onto the field or a Duda onto the field and I've got that. So that would be a reason for doing that is you've got a stronger depth to be able to get you through there. Those cash cows have got a better fixture matchup that you could be able to do that. Absolutely. Um, if I was a five owner and I am in super coach, I'm still going to move him on. Um, I've never heard of a, a three week hamstring. Um, I've heard of, never heard of a two week one, three weeks borderline. Um, but definitely, you know, 
21 games, 21 days is generally a normal hammy. Um, and so what's the priority order? Certainly the length of games missing is a reason, but then it's got to be about your squad and your unique needs. For me, I don't have those other two. So I'd look to move him on when you've got a Bontempelli and a danger, like three games doesn't sound like a lot, but if you were to contrast to the amount of games left to go in the rest of the season, he's nearly missing a quarter of games for the rest of the year. And if I said to you, this guy's going to be only available for three quarters of the rest of the year, would you hold a player if you had the luxury to move them on? Would you do that? Absolutely, you would look to do that move. Um, and you'd make money out of that too, the Dangerfields and the Bontem Pellies and the Duncans. And so for me, could you hold a Fife if you had all three of them or a Naismith? Yep, absolutely you could. But remembering these players are going to be missing a minimum now of a quarter of games played. And so you've got to look at all those elements, which is going to dictate and determine what trades you make. Yeah, the other thing I would say as well is if you can, always look to loophole. If you yeah. know Fife's out, you're probably yeah. going to get a crack at looking at Tyler Brown on Friday. Yeah, McInerney's got an early Saturday game. Obviously, the caution with this is the longer you wait to have a look at your loophole, the less options. For instance, if you, wait, if you wait till Sunday... Now you've got options from Adelaide, Fremantle, Melbourne, Richmond, GWS, and Hawthorne. You know, yeah. a danger field's off the table. A Neil's off the table. On. So maybe that is something that if you, if you pop a good game from a Tyler Brown on your bench and he gives you an 80-plus, you might just say, you know what then? Yeah. I, I can just ride out five because the damage isn't going to be as severe. Whereas mm. conversely, if you know, you Tyler Brown gets 30. you a 30, yeah. you know, you, you're more inclined. So I would just encourage people, Think about what your options are. And as we always say, just wait until the last minute that you physically can wait yep. to pull off a trade. Because, again, if Tyler Brown has a great game and he gets 100, well, all of a sudden, maybe you can hold a five and maybe you can move on a Houston to do something more yeah. creative because you think, well, I can get rid of him. I would just encourage you use all those avenues you've got. You know, set up your team in a way. The one that gets a lot of people is, for instance, if you're doing a how out. Mm. Maybe you need to swing someone back. You know, yeah. you need to just make sure you're, you know, just cover all those bases, especially when we've got Thursday games, MJ. Yeah. And I feel like Thursday's here to stay for the whole year. I know yeah. personally, there's all sorts of stuff going on. You got yeah. the teams dropping, you got the teams confirmed for Thursday. Like it can be really, really stressful. And I know, especially people listen to the coaches panel, you love all the formats. You're trying to get your draft yeah. team in all like it is really hectic. So Never a bad thing just to write out, what are the moves for this? You know, yeah, what do I just want to say do? for my team, if I'm moving Howe to Dangerfield, okay, Brand has got to come to the back line. You know, yeah. Houston's moving from the mid to the back line. You know, you don't want to get caught having, you know, just make sure everything's ticked off because it is a really, you know, Thursday is just, it's just stressful. And I know this week, St. Kilda, St. Kilda Cardinal, a lot of people don't have too many players from those no. teams. We know Doherty's Doherty you know, in most teams, Cripps. Yeah, you know, even I feel like even your captaincy loopholes, MJ, you know, you've got to get that right. Who's your non playing player? You know, don't. Yeah. Sometimes I've seen people do a trade and they realize, oh, that person who I was going to be the loophole for my vice captain, yeah. I've, I've, I've had to trade them or I've had to move them, you know. So, mm. again, planning it out. But I feel like it's a really interesting week for a lot of coaches. Again, if you've got Nat Fife, you've pretty much got every option at your disposal. That's right. You know? I think you've just got to take in your team, your team. That's the thing we always try to stress is about you. it's all about you. I try, we try to give you obviously as much information as we can and 
and use our teams as examples sometimes of why we do certain things. But I feel like this week in particular, I just don't love the premium defender options. Not saying I don't think they'll be good scorers, but yeah. when I see, like I mentioned with Lloyd versus a Dangerfield, if I've I'm got Dangerfield them. cheaper and I'm very confident, I'm going to do everything I can in my trades to get that to give me that option. Mm. And I just feel like it's a really good week for people to restructure that team. You know, maybe get that that rookie. Maybe, as I said, maybe Starcevich has been stuck on your bench. Yeah. Maybe this is a week where you can pull him on to the field and get, you know, a defender rookie like a Lewis Butler or maybe a Will Hamill. Obviously, we haven't seen yep. those teams get named, but but use it to your advantage. You know, take yep. advantage of these weeks and hey if you're really confident in jordan ridley absolutely back yourself in yeah because because it's certainly got all the makings of a move that hey i can really put you ahead if he continues his run of form and you've saved 100 to 150k you know you do that a couple of times mj you're you're easily a premium upgrade ahead of most teams yeah no i think it's a ripping move and and there's a lot for you to digest and process with now just a handful of hours left to go to lockout but we hope that's going to help you just some of those thoughts from kane and i uh, as we've uh, kind of helped you prepare for this upcoming round of footy if you've got questions always get in touch with us via social media we'd love to be able to answer your questions uh, patreons thank you so much for your ongoing and continued support but until next week might have a few more members of the panel, the panel back for you as we get further into the 2020 fantasy footy season.